<laughs> uh, Paul Coral Pottercast in three, two, one. Welcome to the Pottercast, and um, excited to join my good buddy Paul Coro on the Pottercast. Paul, thanks for being on the Pottercast. Yeah, we get to chat all the time on on <laughs> air, off air, on buses, on planes, and now we just get to do it on this forum. Yeah, well, I wanted to have you on because a lot of folks know you before GCU as the guy who covered the Suns for what close to twenty years, right? I mean, how long were you with the Phoenix Suns as a beat writer, or with the paper covering the Suns as a beat writer? Yeah, I did. I did the Suns beat for thirteen years, uh, and I spent. About the six years before that, doing high schools and then Arizona State for a while and spent some time previously to that in Kansas City and San Antonio at uh, media outlets there. Yeah, I wanted to have you on, too, because it's interesting. You know, we get a lot of kids, college kids come up, hey, I want to do what you do, you know, and I'm not sure they understand the the you know how you get there it's it's not one of those roads where you know you get the job you wait for a promotion you do it there's a lot of different things to it but what first off take me back you went to apollo high school did you always know you wanted to do writing i mean what got you interested into the whole the whole genre yeah i mean the crazy thing is all of this has been a very blessed path for me and i grew up in west phoenix which is sort of uh kind of a, a nice moment for me to come full circle to gcu and be back in west phoenix you know yeah. just a couple miles from from where I grew up, I have a fondness for the area, uh, soft place. But um, I grew up, like all of us, just loving sports and played everything and, uh, you know, wanted to be wanted to be a, you know, a star and all that in my eyes, you know. And then you get to a point where you're you realize you're 5'11 and your jump shot's kind of shaky and you got to start <laughs> thinking about a, another way to work in sports. And, you know, I grew up just with an appetite for anything you know i was reading i was we had that back then there was the afternoon newspaper the phoenix gazette oh wow right and i would i would like <laughs> be looking out the window after school waiting for it to come so i could read you know my my guy uh, john davis uh, who i ended up working for later in life or steve weston and a guy that i looked up to and um so I just and I started to put that together in my mind. And I, I remember in eighth grade looking at the high school curriculum and thinking I was making decisions for my life. <laughs> and, in eighth grade, uh, there was journalism <laughs> as one of the classes offered. And I said, well, I, I love to read uh, everything and I, I can write pretty decent and I love sports. And so I in my mind right then I decided I wanted to be the Phoenix Suns beat writer for the paper. And there's only one of those jobs in the world. And somehow, <laughs> through very blessed pass, I ended up uh, getting to that chance. And, uh, very in eighth lucky. grade? Yeah, eighth grade, I, I, that's, I set out <laughs> for that to be my goal. I always say, like, maybe that's I should awesome. have picked a different goal, like brain surgeon or something like that. If oh, I, yeah. If I was going to achieve <laughs> the thing that there was one of in the world. <laughs> so when you, when you pick that out in journalism, obviously you liked it, you're good at it. Then you just natural decision to go to the Cronkite school over to ASU or did you have other options? That was more just the, the sports guy in me. Like I hated U of A. <laughs> <laughs> you and, picked it based on the sports team you wanted to root uh, for. I was, I was lucky that um, it was at a time when Cronkite was just starting to, to be this burgeoning journalism school u of a had lost accreditation at the time in journalism so oh, wow it made really okay sense for me at the time anyway um my biggest goal uh, was with my parents i was the first one in my family to go to college 
and you know they wanted me to go to GCC, which nothing wrong with GCC. Yeah. I ended up taking summer classes there, and uh, my best friend's dad was the athletic director there, so that was a great influence on my life growing up. Chris Bashada, his dad mm. was Pete Bashada, a little bit local legend, coached at Brophy and AD, great man, and. Um, and uh, but I got a scholarship. I was really driven in high school, you know. And back then, if you were top five percent, you got a full ride tuition wise. Uh, and so that's how I convinced my parents that to let me go to ASU and lived at home the first year because they didn't want me to leave. And yeah. <laughs> uh, but then at, at ASU, that's you know I got involved with the state press, the the daily campus student newspaper, and that was that was everything for me. Cronkite's a great school, but I learned everything by doing it practically at the state press first and covered the football teams and the basketball teams back when uh, Larry Marmee was the football coach and right before Bruce Snyder came and Bill Frieder was the basketball coach. So that was a hoot at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, you know, was basically working around, again, guys that I would end up being peers with. You know, uh, I would go on basketball trips. We were, we were good enough that we could go on the road and do stuff. And Kent Summers would be on the basketball trip covering it for the Republic. And, you know, I was like, wow, I want, this is what I, how I want to do it. And what a great role model Ken Summers is in person. And we're still friends to this day. And, uh, we've done some things together, you know, travel wise and stuff. And, but I remember seeing him and going, oh, you know, he was with his wife on a trip one time. And I was like, oh, so this can be a family lifestyle too. Mm. You don't have to be that, that caricature of a sloppy sports writer. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So uh, do you remember some of the first stories you did, like, for the, the state press? My very first story was about Phil Mickelson. Really? He had won the NCAA championship as a freshman. And for whatever reason, the sports editor, Gary Jackson, at the paper, uh, gave me golf as the beat. Uh, crappy golfer. But <laughs> but, knew, but like every sport, knew it. You know, my dad's a big golfer. And so I yeah. watched, watched things all the time. I remember watching Jack Nicklaus win the masters with my dad and you know, like what a big thing that was yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when he won it in his forties. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then, you know, I, I think I had a grasp of how big that was for this freshman kid to win NCAs and thought it was really cool that I was doing the story, but you know, <laughs> come on now. I didn't know he was going to be like this guy. You called it right. Like, you're, you're like, uh, this, this is this boat. This is like the, the, the least famous thing he's going to do his entire career right here. You called it, huh? Yeah. But I had a philosophy class with him at ASU. So that's cool to look back and think about. And yeah, um, it, I mean, it was just, there's a, a lot of things that at that time at ASU that ended up carried over later in life. You know, like the whole headache Smith thing was, mm. you know, right as I was going was out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, wow. So, yeah. A lot of stuff going on at ASU. What, what was the step after ASU? Where'd you go after, after you graduated? Um, well, I was, I was a little bit panicked about getting a job like every college senior mm-hmm. ever. And, uh, you know, at first ASU's athletic department offered me a job in their communications as a GA and I was going to take it, but I didn't, it wasn't my passion. Mm-hmm. And I, and, uh, so I ended up taking, I had become editor of the state press and done some news internships. So one of the, the job I was able to land was at the San Antonio newspaper as a news writer. And I had to convince them that, that I was willing to be a news writer. And it was one of the best things for my career. Cause I did news writing there and came back at the East Valley Tribune too, and did it there. And it, it, it helped me so much in sports writing because sports writing isn't just sports writing. You gotta, you know, if, if an athlete got arrested, I knew what to do about getting, you know, police reports. And oh, gotcha. How to, how to go through that process. Or, or if I had to go to a, a court case and cover 
cover a hearing or something like that. I knew what to do. And, you know, sports writing is business writing. Sports writing is yeah. health writing, you know. like you, Oh, yeah, you, big time. There's so many different <laughs> facets of it you're, uh, that people just don't necessarily understand. You know, you got to, you know, you get to a job like at the NBA, but you got to understand a collective bargaining agreement and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and how trades work and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but eventually I had that burgeoning in me that I, I still wanted to be a sports writer. Mm-hmm. And my mentor in college, Tom Blodgett, a uh, great guy who kind of came to the state press and identified me and had me freelancing during college. He had contacts in Kansas City and uh, knew of a sports writing job there and, and recommended me for it. And I had just got married to my wife, Michelle, and she was great enough to you know, pick up our life and, and move out there and uh, spent three years there. Great staff, just unbelievable people who've gone on to do some some great things. We had a great crew of high school guys. Om Young Masuk works for ESPN now. Kevin Gorman was a columnist in, in Pittsburgh. Lavelle Neal has been the Twins beat writer forever, and we were all high school writers. Wow. And, uh, just grinding away and, you know, got to cover people like, uh, you know, I was covering basketball and Earl Watson was playing, and then I ended up covering him as an NBA <laughs> NBA player and then and an then NBA coach. coach as well. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so many guys came through there. Liddell Betts was a football player. Um, you know, I've told you the story before where I was talking to a Fort Osage High School baseball coach on the phone one day and asked him what was going on. He says, I got this new this new Dominican shortstop who's hitting home <laughs> runs over the houses in left field. And I'm like, dude, you had me at Dominican shortstop. I'll yeah. be out there. And then I got introduced to Alberto Pujols. <laughs> <laughs> Man, at, at, a, at a young age. Yeah, a little skinny kid. And uh, my friend David Boyce back there was a longtime writer. He always goes around telling everybody that I discovered Albert You discovered Pujols. Albert Pujols. I'm not sure that's how it worked. I think he, his talent pretty much did that. But I like to tell people that we went to the same college because he took some. He went to Maplewoods Community College. He sure did. And I took a, uh, after my freshman year at Grand Canyon, I didn't want to take a, a lab class there because I hated, hated science. So I took my lab class over the summer at Maplewoods. So Albert and I both have transcripts from Maplewoods. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my claim to fame. Um, so Kansas City, yeah, Kansas, you know, I grew up in that area. And so I, I did the same as you, man. I, Every morning, I'd, I'd, I'd have to grab the paper, look at the box scores. I was interested in baseball, you know, read through the box scores, see who did what, and, and read that. And they had some great, great writers there. I mean, was you there? I mean, Whitlock was there. Yeah. I mean, Jason um, Whitlock and I came at the same time. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's that, why did that paper have so many good writers? I mean, it's interesting. There, there's certain papers, there's, there was papers everywhere. There's certain papers, though, that just tend to be like those kind of flagships, like, oh, that's the standard bearer. Yeah. And Kansas City Star was kind of I one of those. It had a great readership. Kansas City was a great sports town but high readership it had tradition like Ernest Hemingway worked there you know like oh I didn't know that really classic red brick building and you know <laughs> um you know just really good people I mean they they were my firstborn was born there and the entire staff threw a baby shower for me and my wife and wow that's why it's like just a special place you know how friendly yeah. Midwesterners are but there was a passion and the great thing about that job too is there's so much in the area. You know, it's a it's a great pro area, but it's also a great college area. It's yeah. a very fertile high school area. So um, were the Kings know, still there at that time? No, had they they had, left? they had moved. Yeah, they had moved. By but then, but right. um, you know, my sports editors Dale By and then Din Mann, who became kind of a big deal with MLB.com, oh, watching yeah. that yeah. off. Um, they knew how much I loved basketball and NBA, and they let me do a lot of NBA things. I went. I went to the NBA at 50. I covered NBA drafts. I went to the NBA finals the year that uh, it was Jordan against the Jazz and it got sick. And, really? You know, wow. Like, 
was in the building, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that really set me up well, you know, and I would cover Royals games and, uh, I went to the first big 12 game at K state and okay. just got lots of cool opportunities there because they really, uh, empowered us to, to do some fun things. And that, you know, set me up for a decision when I left and I had a high school offer back at the Arizona Republic and I had an MBA offer in Seattle when the Sonics were still there. Oh, wow. And everybody thought I was crazy, but I took the Republic one cause I felt like my future would be better in a place where I had a better sports-based knowledge. Cause the one thing I felt in Kansas city is like, man, I don't know if I'll ever know how much everything means to people like I do in Phoenix, you know? And I felt like that's important with uh, sports writing to, you don't want to look like the one that's not an expert. Right. Like, and, uh, so I kind of rebooted and did high schools uh, back in Phoenix. And uh, how long did you do that for? How long were you on the high school before you got the? Well, we did you go right to high school in the Suns. Yeah, no, I did ASU in between too. Gotcha. Actually, I did a D backs for a very short stint, but that wasn't my passion either. So Don yeah. Don Ketchum and I negotiated a a switch. He was doing ASU and wanted to do Diamondbacks. I was yeah about was to start guy, doing yeah. Diamondbacks. I did an off season. I'd even do a season. I did the off season. And then I got to uh, went to ASU, and it was perfect for both of us. And man, I mean, just every time we talk about one of these things, it's a fortuitous twist. Yeah, somebody's benevolence to help me along the way. And but you know, like even with high schools, I got to see some. That's like when Terrell Suggs was at Hamilton High. You know, like yeah, right. It's, it's just very cool to see all these high school guys. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a Highland quarterback who I put on honorable mention Allstate and in, in my genius. <laughs> <you know? laughs> He's always been kind of the honorable mention guy that just sticks around and makes a bunch of money and throws a lot of touchdown passes yeah. <laughs> at every level. Like, you know, right. Not quite the man, but the man for a while. But so you did ASU for a while. And then, you, I mean, how did that happen? You, you got the Suns. I mean, that was your dream. And what was that like when you finally knew you were going to get it? Yeah, how I did was, they approach you? I was you? so happy covering ASU. Like it was, it felt perfect. I, you know, I was a dad. It was kind of a nice schedule to fit everything. And I kind of put the other stuff out of my mind, Bob Young was the Suns beat writer and like, oh, yeah, absolutely great Bob, yeah. Suns beat writer. He was just the best. I love Bob Young to this day. We get together all the time. He's one of the best influences in my life off off business stuff too. just family, financial advice and all that stuff. He's a great guy. He, he still helps out at Cronkite uh, with journalism students there. But um, he was ready to move to a, like a columnist role that they had created. And uh, they asked me and I was like, man, it's like, it's the one of those be careful what you wish for things. Yeah. Because all of a sudden here I was, was given MBA and it was a midseason. And Frank Johnson had just been fired as coach and they elevated Mike D'Antoni. They were terrible. And here I am trying to learn the MBA beat on the fly in the middle of the season. And, but it, again, it couldn't have come at a better time. Mike, Danny, Mike D'Antoni was a dream for a beat writer to cover. He was like great. Uh, Jerry Colangelo was great to me the moment I walked in and uh, just so many people helped me through that that uh, and I, I, I just had a passion to be great at like I yeah I just I was gonna do every I felt like I knew what Suns fans wanted to know and and uh, that's what drove me every day you feel like it would have been tough being a I mean covering the Sonics because you wouldn't have known that you wouldn't have known that I know what Sonics fans want you hadn't grown up with that you hadn't grown up yeah. with that passion for that team yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up going to the Coliseum, you know, my dad and I sitting up in the nosebleeds. We watched Jeff Cook hit a shot to beat the Celtics from the second row from the top. You know, I'm like that Drake song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Jeff Cook hitting a shot. That's uh, awesome, man. Um, used to 
you know, they used to sell black and white $1 posters. Yeah. And I, I, I would get one of those every time. Walter Davis was my, my favorite player, my idol growing up. He yeah. was probably the, you know, as a sports writer, you don't want to be a fanboy or get goo goo eyes. Sure. But the first time I met Walter Davis, I was like, oh, this is different. This is, this is my dude. <laughs> it's hard not to, though, right? I mean, that, that's one thing. We see it a lot. And sometimes you can tell different broadcasters and stuff. And you go, man, I think they're too buddy-buddy with that guy. Because you have to distance yourself some. But when you're a human. When you cover people on a day in day out basis, you get to like people, you get to root for them, but you still have to be professional about it. Yeah, and I think that's one thing exactly how you put it. That I've always told journalism students like it's it's so important to be unbiased. And I worked so hard to people for people to think I'm not like I tried for people to not know I was an ASU alum when I was covering ASU. I didn't want U of A people to think I was like slanting everything positive for ASU. Mm-hmm. And you almost go the opposite direction and you know, almost like harder on them because you don't want people to think you're a homer because right. that's the worst thing in journalism to for anyone to think you're a homer. So you you really try to advocate for fans more mm-hmm. than what you're covering. You know, what do they want to know? They they want to know the truth. They're not just rah-rah people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, and so, you know, it's kind of the same in broadcasting too. Um, is it different though covering high school athletes, college athletes, pro athletes in that sense of like, relationships and how hard you may or may not be on the individual yeah it's very sequential and adapting to each level the great thing about covering high schools it's one of my favorite things like people always think you want to get out of covering high schools but everybody in high school appreciates what you do yeah it might be the it might be the one story they ever get about them in it's their life deal. but yeah. that's what makes it important to you too yeah. you want to get it right and yeah. do every person justice when you're you're doing those stories and and that too was a great time for me too because it was the business became much more multimedia at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there was the TV show Friday night fever and they yep. were like, Hey, let's try out having the high school writer on air and let's not give them any training and put them on live television. And <laughs> me and uh, Brad gas, a uh, great videographer in Phoenix worked at channel 12 at the time. Now works at Fox 10. Uh, he, he was walking me through my first on the night. My, you know, we used to come on right after the tonight show. And <laughs> you, nice have, lead in. you have your earpiece on and you hear that out music from the tonight <laughs> show. And that's what makes your like stomach just doing butterflies like crazy. Yeah. And the first night we were at Seton Catholic and I'm, you know, I'm trying to memorize what I'm going to say and I'm nervous and all that. And about that music's coming for the tonight show. That means we're about to go on the air and we're standing on the field and all the sprinklers come on. <laughs> so Brad and I have to dry, grab all the equipment they move it over to the track, and that was probably like one of the best things that could happen to me because it just made me like focus on the job and how are we going to do this. And uh, but like all those things led to led to doing like stuff like what you and I do. It became a a much more multi. You know, I I strove to get in the business to be a writer, and and wound up a person who does. You know, we were doing videos, and I would do TV a lot, and I would do radio spots, and you know, I ended up co-hosting a a high school radio show with Jose Garcia, my mm. good friend at one point uh, for the AIA. And just, so all those things just kind of melded into, to my future. But to your question before it absolutely was important to have that, that knowledge base. Uh, I don't know how many times in those 13 years of covering sons that I felt like I could just grasp a situation, know exactly what things meant, do a story that maybe somebody else wouldn't know because of how it meant or how it fit into history or, just know what's important to people. Right. Is it hard um, being growing up a Suns fan 
and covered in like covering them. And now obviously you've been at GCU for a number of years. So, so, you know, you have that, you know, that's your, that's your school. Those are your guys, but you still got to write articles and write stories that, that bring out, you know, the truth of it and stuff, but it's hard not to a big loss. You got to write the story afterwards, yeah. not to let that carry over. Cause it's, you know, cause you feel it. Well, you get, you know, the, the, the idea of that sports writers are a bit grizzled and hardened is true. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we, we give up being a sports fan in some respects to, mm. to be a sports writer. Cause yeah. you're worried about the job and you're worried about doing it right. And you know, you kind of become, take your emotions out of it when you're uh, doing it. And like you said, you, you can still allow yourself to care about individual people cause you have relationships that you're trying to, I mean, everything in the, in our business, much like your, any of your businesses is, is about relationships mm-hmm. and, you know, working a trust on a beat with a team that's only 12 to 50 guy, 15 guys and being fair and showing up the next day is pretty important, but keeping their respect too. And, you know, they kind of NBA guys see right through people who are just like hanger ons or Google eyes mm-hmm. or fanboys. They don't, they don't want anything to do with those type. But, um, so I kind of learned early on how to walk that line and, you know, you kind of give them a hard time back or you talk to them when you're not doing interviews about life other than basketball. And uh, it just it just made it a better working relationship mm-hmm. uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah. So for for kids that I'm sure people come up to you, hey, how, how do I get into this business? What do I do? It has changed a lot since you got into it. Like, what's the best advice or do you give advice to other people who are like, hey, I'd like to try to get into this business at some point, I'd like to get into sports Sports media, I guess you'd call it now, as opposed to just sports writing. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's super competitive, uh, and it's it's not necessarily the richest industry to pick mm-hmm. out. You know, so you got to make sure what you know you're going into what that you might not make a lot of money early on in the gig. Uh, it might pay off down the line if you do well, but it's super competitive because everybody thinks they want to work in sports, mm-hmm. and, and I think we see you and I see that in a lot of other fields too. Like, yeah, people get a business g- degree, you know, want to work in sports. Well, they get paid less because they know everybody's falling all over each other to try to get sports jobs. And, mm-hmm. um, but it, pr- uh, practical experience is what matters the most. And you just got to find it wherever you can get it. Um, it's not enough just to go to class and get a degree and think you're going to get an opportunity. People want to see you do the job um, for real. And you need those reps. You just need reps. You need deadline to know how to work on deadlines um, you need to foster relationships. You know, it's hard to get any jobs without knowing somebody, yeah. uh, especially in journalism. Could you could you tell a difference? Like, when did you, looking back, when did you feel like you started to become a, a good writer? Because I, you know, when I started broadcasting, I listened back to the the first. <laughs> I don't know, 200 games I did. I'm like, oh my gosh, this was bad, you know, <laughs> but I was doing the best I could. It was about getting those reps at that time. It was more about getting reps than being good. Yeah. You know, I think um, when was it was it that a, way with writing too, or yeah, I think when I was a news writer, I felt like I was just kind of churning information not necessarily writing. You know, you do a lot of police fire things, crime scenes and oh, okay. courts so just, and it's very straightforward. And, um, but then once I started doing, high schools in Kansas city, I think that's when you find your voice a little bit. And that's really important too, to know what your writing voice is. What do you mean by that? Find your voice. Just the way, the way you deliver the story, how you write with color, you know, like just having a kind of a consistent thing because you, you can't be dry. You can't be vanilla. You know, there's tons of places people can devour news. You gotta, you gotta bring another layer to it. And sports writings, you're allowed to do a little bit more analysis mm. than news writing. There's a little bit more leniency, to uh, as long as you're based in fact to to put right. that little bit of edge to it a little bit of color to it and I think those when you do high schools you're just covering a ton of stuff too you're just 
constantly at games you're doing features you're and so you you figure it out real fast because you're producing and you get challenges and you know i always remember we were we had these student athlete of the year awards at, at in Kansas city and i got they signed me the female one one year and they're like i don't know how you're going to do this one she's a cross-country runner and she doesn't talk <laughs> good luck <laughs> and and I, I think that might have been a turning point because I figured out how to do that. So these were always big takeout pieces, too. They were very important to the paper. There was a banquet and it was a big deal. And uh, she as advertised, she was not you know an open book and it mm -hmm. was difficult. But I, you know, I kept at, talking to different people. And eventually I found out that there was a girl on her street, little girl who uh, idolized her and watched her running up and down and modeled after her. And, and I kind of told the story through this little girl's eyes mm. in her neighborhood that looked up to her. And I felt like that was one of those times that, you know, teaches you that everybody has a story. You just got to ask enough questions. Yeah. Kind of like an aha moment where it kind of clicks like, Oh, I can, I can write anything. Yeah. I just got to figure out. I really out. believe that. Yeah. I, every time I talk to a journalism class, I tell them I, I could write a story about any of you. I just got to ask enough questions. Every, I, every one of you are unique. And that's why this business never gets old. Every, Every game is different. Every person is different. There's you're never repeating exa exactly the same mm -hmm. thing. It's interesting. Uh, we've seen the the business change. I mean, oh, for a lot of ways. You talked about some of the ways it's changed. Um, the ability to consume information is just vastly more opportunity to consume information than it ever was when we were growing up, right? Which is good and bad. I mean, it's just the way it is. But um, it's also it's also in some ways um, it's it's changed uh, in the sense of there's a celebrity now to a lot of writers or broadcasters that wasn't there back in the day. Yeah. Some of us, like like you knew Kent Summers, like, oh, man, that guy is great. But everybody else just read his articles and were like, oh, thanks, Kent. You know, that was kind of it. Now those guys are, not Kent necessarily, but those guys are on TV and they're doing pardon the interruption. There's that celebrity take to it, which in some ways kind of clouds the line too. I mean, I mean, what is your take on all that? How when you see these beat writers doing like become talking heads and stuff, and it's just interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's good or bad. It's just different. It was never something I thought about going in the business because <laughs> I was super shy growing up. So even like in high school, going into the high school football coaches, I, office and asking him questions terrified me <laughs> like, oh really okay <laughs> <laughs> um but that's the great thing about when you have a goal and you worry more about the job than yourself or your vanity or anything mm -hmm. like that but uh yeah so it was odd f as it became more of a limelight job a little bit especially covering nba then you know there's there's a point where i was you know when the suns were very good during those d'antoni steve nash amari stoudemire sean Marin years you know they're in the playoffs and i'm getting up in the morning in different cities to go to a studio to do a sports center hit. And you know, like it's, that's not what I signed up for, you know, yeah. like it was way different than anything I set out to do and, and goals. And um, so, yeah, that's, but that's it. It puts you on guard every day to do your job. Cause mm -hmm. you, you, you're not a person who's going anonymously to a cubicle every day and punching numbers. You're, you're somebody whose work is out there every day for everyone to see and be judged. So you never feel like you can like, just hit coast one day, you know, cause yeah. uh, not only is it all the readers, but the people you cover, you were trying to earn their respect every day and you don't want to slip up and, and look weak in their eyes. Right. It's interesting too. Cause nowadays too, with all the social media and stuff, there's so much, you know, you can, you can, you can pull any little sliver out of something and, and post it. No, I can't believe this guy wrote this or whatever, or, 
you know, broadcasters especially, you know, you make a mistake on the air and it's out there for everybody. Um, you can't, you can't not do your job or be nervous about it. But I mean, did you ever, did you ever have that have never worry about, Oh my gosh, I'm going to write this. And if somebody takes this the wrong way, you know, yeah. or if somebody confront you about, something. I knew there was people that, I mean, there's stories you write, you just know people aren't going to like it. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, those are, those are, those are tough sleeps knowing the next day you're going to go see somebody who's going to be <laughs> ticked, ticked off, off at you. Yeah. Um, but you're comfortable in how you did it and how factual you did it and things like that. But, um, yeah, there were, there were some difficult conversations sometimes with people and, um, that's where you got to stand your ground and try to keep their respect. And, um, you just kind of hope that, uh, you did things the right way. You didn't hope I always knew. Yeah. And so I, I never felt like, I was in the wrong with anybody. I mean, we, we make errors. That's for sure. sure. And yeah. uh, journalism, you know, at least historically tried to be accountable for all that. <laughs> you know, we were, we'd run a correction. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything was wrong, um, apologize to people and stuff if, if, if that stuff happens. But you know, a lot of it changed too. Like what you mentioned with when the, when the web blew up, now all of a sudden you're reporting 24 seven instead right. of, you know, for the next. So now, the job just becomes like all day because yeah. you're if Steve Nash had a tight hammy at shoot around, well, that's that's breaking news for people, you know, because all them fantasy people out there and stuff want to yeah. know that. Now you got a now I got a Twitter account that's like giving updates all the time and people asking things all the time. And um, so it started to take a little bit like from what you mentioned before, away from the writing. And now you're more reporting mm -hmm. because you're constantly trying to catch up with the information. Yeah. And just put it out. Um, it, I mean, I don't know if it's nostalgia or what, but there was something, yeah, probably nostalgia. There was something fun about not being able to read something about somebody till the next day. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, as opposed to boom, it's right there on I worked Twitter. Enough of that era where I, I still loved when I knew I had a scoop and it was going to be a morning bomb drop when the papers, you know, came yeah. out the next day, you know, and like, as a reader, you would, you'd wait for that, you know, like, like you would be listening to the ball game and George Brett goes out in the third inning. You're like, Oh my gosh, what happened? I got to wait till tomorrow and yeah. read the article and see what's going on. And I don't know. It's, and like I said, it's probably cause I'm getting older and it's more of a nostalgia thing, but uh, it was kind of nice. No. You know? Yeah. I was that kid growing up that uh, I still remember the number two, five, eight, one, two, one, two. That's what you'd call in and they'd have the score line. <laughs> uh, and that's how you, if you couldn't wait till the, did you have to pay? If, was, no, it, was it a no, per minute with a free score line? <laughs> it was just free. And it was some guy at the, at the newspaper who just read the scores off. And it was, if you couldn't wait till the 10 o'clock news to find it out and just needed to yeah. desperately know that score yeah. before then you, you'd call the line. And if they updated it every hour, you were lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that it, it, is, it has changed. It's very interesting. So, so you did the Suns, you leave the Suns, and what was the transition from the Suns over to Grand Canyon? Uh, well, I kind of went two ways at once. I, uh, uh, Dan Nichols was a part, is the director of club sports at GCU, and uh, he wanted to start up a website for that side. I, saw, I came to a GCU New Mexico State basketball game. And my wife went with me and we both like start, saw how the campus was growing and it was not the campus I remember that you, you went to and I grew up going to and uh, like went to friends shows at the church and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, even my daughters had played high school games there and stuff like that, even as it was growing in it, the gym huh? Yeah, or at the arena. But oh, the, before the, even the campus was blowing up when oh, the right, arena right. was there, it looked yep. different. And I got over there for son's training camp one year 
uh, at the Lopes Performance Center, and it you could drive right up to the the Performance Center by the <laughs> pool and all that. And so even in recent years, it didn't look like uh, when I started, but. Um, he wanted somebody to start the web website and be kind of a communication for that department. It was big part of the university blowing up and gets a lot of students come there. But, um, also I was working for the Los Angeles times as their MBA correspondent and doing a weekly page in the Sunday LA times. And I thought, well, this is a great way for, you know, Dan Nichols was nice enough that I could do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that didn't last very long, <laughs> um, <laughs> in about Three months or so later, they wanted to create this role that I do now, where it's kind of the in-house guy uh, covering all GCU athletics. And, of course, heavy emphasis on the men's basketball team and my history with mm-hmm. the people involved there uh, helped a lot. But also, you know, 21, 22 sports uh, and uh, also, you know, kept branching out into other things with my background. Like we talked before, you never know what it's setting up, but that multimedia thing led to me doing some video things, some TV show things. And then the, you and I started connecting on yeah. doing the radio broadcast together. What, what, um, GCU is a very unique place. You covered ASU, you know, I mean, is that the, the biggest similarity to what you're doing now to what you used to do? Um, is it the NBA? Do you draw from all of that? Because 21, 22 sports. I mean, I, I'm always amazed. I love, I can kind of go, pretty much hey paul what's going on with women's tennis and you're like oh yeah i just did a story on that or i just know or you know i mean that's a lot of stuff to keep your mind around yeah it helps that like i'm also editing the the entire athletic site for gclopes.com so i devour a lot of information that way for even things i'm not writing with all the great uh athletics communication staff that josh hauser has put together there and uh you know shout out to to bob romanic who uh kind of had an idea of what i could do because he had been in that world before too. And we had some common friends and, uh, he's kind of the one who visualized uh, a way and we could be because GCU wasn't necessarily getting a ton of coverage on the outside. We kind of saw this as creating like, well, why don't we be the go-to vessel for, Mm, for GCU news? Why let's stop leaning on places with declining resources, hoping that they'll cover us at some point and just have it all in house and make, people come to the site and then the, uh, that's how you build Lope nation to get bigger and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I forgot what the original question was. Oh, just what, <laughs> what's, what's the most similar background? Because oh, yeah. what you're doing now is, is like you said, a lot of different hats, but really Lopes insider is like kind of the one overarching, uh, piece of that. Yeah. I think what you said is exactly right. I think, I think everything I've ever done in my career set me up for this job very well, like covering an NBA team for 13 years, put me in great position to I feel like you know I I understand the game so well and know the ebbs and flows of the seasons and and see games and know how to write on the fly and mm-hmm. um and the relationships I have in basketball pay off a lot too uh for even who's come through GCU but you know other places as well but um but that total background of every little experience and news I mean GCU is wonderful in the way that like President Brian Mueller and Vice President of Athletic Jamie Boggs, they they show a lot of appreciation and v- value of my experience and knowledge to weigh in on things that I wouldn't have imagined that they would ask of me. And that's that's uh, very empowering mm-hmm. uh, for somebody to to bring you into those kind of conversations. And I, I appreciate that they, you know, I it wasn't something I set out for, but I it's it makes you just feel valuable in a place. And, it's, you know, I tell everybody that, 
I had the dream job and now I have a better job. Mm-hmm. You know, covering the NBA was my dream job. Yeah. But this is <laughs> this is such a better job because as you know, being part of the team. Yeah. I've always been the outsider covering teams and being part of the team uh is very fulfilling uh to watch how guys' lives transpire and mm-hmm. they just look at you differently. They're not suspicious of you like when you're a beat right. writer. Yeah. Um uh, and you know I, I was fortunate, too, that my best friend, Darren Urban, kind of uh, had already gone down this road with the Cardinals. And so I knew very much from him and his sort of template for how he does it so well mm-hmm. there that how it could work for me at GCU and just blessed to be in a place that invests so much in athletics and believes it. And it's really cool. Um, you know, you enjoy watching things like the WAC championship moment in person. Yeah. You enjoy watching lives transform like what we saw with Oscar Freire or Sean Miller Moore. And um, it's just very, you know, fulfilling to see people become adults in front of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. People ask me all the time. I mean, it, it, there's something, it's kind of fun going and doing a Pac-12 game or doing a game where, you know, at the WAC tournament where I don't have a rooting interest necessarily and don't know anybody, but it's a job. You show up, you do it really professionally. It's fun. It's a game. You get to cover sports, so there's worse things in life, you know, to earn money. But then, you know, buzzer sounds. You finish up. You're done. You know, when it's when you're getting paid by Grand Canyon and you're part of part of the program and you know, calling the Canyon games, and so you do have that little bit of rooting interest. You do want the good guys to win. You know, <laughs> it it it's just more fun. There's a depth to it, and you get to meet some of these guys too, and get to know them off the court. I was, I was talking to Kate. Uh, I did the pregame at the last one. Um, last game and, and she kind of asked me about being on the road and I'm like that's where you that's where you bond with people that's where you get to see the real people their players aren't afraid to be a little goofy you know <laughs> and when they're going to and from the bus or when they're late at the airport or something and the coaches like you said they tend to kind of loosen their guard a little bit you know and you can really build those relationships and that that's fun to do and you can't really do that when you're when you're just showing up to for me showing up to broadcast a pac-12 game you know i meet the coaches chat with them it's great but then i'm out of there. yeah yeah like we were talking about before you when you're you're working you're doing a job you're trying to you want to be seen as professional and unbiased and and then now all of a sudden that sports fan that was in us as a kid gets to come back a little bit because now we're pulling for these guys because we work with them we see them uh you know i get to experience the campus every day and walk past people from every sport you know yeah. that i know well and you know, we've had some really poignant moments, you know, like with some of these people, you know, like and, you know, terribly sad ones and terrible, joyful ones. You yeah. Know, you know, Os- Oscar Freire passing hit us deeply all watching Rafael Guerrero, the goalkeeper for soccer in front of our eyes, suffer a brain injury that ended his career. Um, I got really close to him after and we did a story a year later on everything he's had to go through to get back. And thank God that he's living life normally and he just. You know, we texted me recently that he's coming back to campus mm. uh, a year plus later. He's finally comfortable with being a student back on campus and he wanted to like connect and meet up. And I was like, wow, that's that made my day to get yeah. that text from him. <laughs> um, so that's that's really cool. You just don't get that when you're you're not part of it. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. You know, we cover these guys and build those relationships and they go off and do other great things. And then it's amazing how like awesome and cool it is to see, you know, Josh Braun show back up and he's working over in club and just see him and go, Oh my gosh, there's Josh or Matt Jackson comes to a ball game. And we were talking about Ethan Spry was at the game last night. Keontae Vernon came over, you know, it's just, it is, it is kind of cool. And you, you, you know, you can build those relationships and things like that. And, and 
remember they are young men and women that kind of have, you know, hopefully their whole lives ahead of them. It's going to be very different from these four or five years we have them here on the thing. And it's fun to see how they grow and, and how they change and when they come back and, and chat with them and stuff like yeah. that, which you don't get. I mean, you built relationships in your job. It went longstanding when you were covering the Suns for those years, but just a little bit different when you're covering professionals, when you're covering college athletes. Yeah, yeah. The crossover is kind of cool. Like Sean Pryor, the academic coach, and I, he, like we both know Sean Marion really well. And he like <laughs> came back to use the GCU uh, facility one day. And and it just, and he, Sean Pryor couldn't believe that I knew Sean Marion really yeah. well. And, and he was like, you know, Sean Marion. I can't, I can't say all the way Sean Marion talks, but, <laughs> but he was one of my favorite guys to cover. Cause he was just so genuinely good to me all the time. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's also very satisfying professionally what we've been able, I've been six years and uh, very much through Josh Hauser's help alongside me. We've like, we've really grown the website to, to the point where, you know, we're looking at every month, you know, or over a year we'll have like six million views on the site mm. and that's just exponentially over oh, what we came in at yeah. six years ago and it's brilliant too i mean i you were talking about that bob romantic kind of had that vision to do that and and uh you know bringing you on making it you know the place to come to that website as opposed to waiting because i remember you know going to gcu we were with best in high school we won baseball championships we won college couldn't get the media to cover us at all. So GCU's always kind of had that, like, hey, we're really good. We're right here. We have a great story. You need to come cover us. And to just start doing that yourself, say, you know what? If you don't want to cover us, we'll do it ourselves, and we'll we'll take your readership, and we'll take your, your eyeballs on us right now. And now you're starting to see some folks uh, in, in the local media, like I said, it, with their limited resources, go, oh, we got to get out here and pay more attention to this, you know? Yeah, that's what's great about being at a university that just thinks differently through Brian Mueller's leadership. That's not Nothing's traditional. Right. about the way yeah. GCU yeah. does things. It would be very difficult at some some state universities to make decisions like they have been made and and progress so much into like kind of a modern approach. Uh, but it's also very in line with the sports media world. You're seeing much it's much more frequent now that teams have an in-house person and fans gravitate to that first a lot of right. times because that's their team. So I'll go to that team site and if you give them enough to stay there, they'll stay there and they won't need to go elsewhere. And, um, you know, and you control the messaging a little mm -hmm. bit differently too. Obviously you have to cover the team somewhat differently and you have to hold back some things at times because of, especially in college with, you know, certain rules about, uh, you know, student, maybe, maybe medically and things like that. Right. Um, you have to have a different approach than what you would do with pros and just like, you know, <laughs> gobble up every news nugget you can. Right, right, right. So what's what's the future hold? I mean, you've been here, what, six years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, love it, want to stay. You're like, hey, you know, that beat thing, that was so much fun. I'd love to do that again. <laughs> or is it like, <laughs> I did it, been there, done that. This is my place, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, digging what I do right now, and I'd love to just keep doing it. I, I definitely uh, had a, a fork in the road a couple of years ago with a – a really enticing offer, and uh, my good friend uh, Kathleen Mascarenas, who former uh, reporter anchor at Channel Twelve, uh, she said to me, "Like, do you like your job?" And I was like, "I love it. It's 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 the best job I ever had." And she goes, "Then then what are you even <laughs> thinking about?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? You're right." <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like sometimes, like you just, you just overthink stuff, like, and you need one person to go. What are you thinking, dude? Yeah, and it was one of those that was <laughs> sucking me back into that that world, and I was yeah. just like, you know, been there, done that. I'm really proud of 
of what I accomplished at the time and what I did. And, um, I don't, I don't need to <laughs> revisit that. I don't need to be covering the yeah. biggest thing, uh, out there to, to enjoy what yeah. I do. You know, I used to always think like, you know, we live in Ahwatukee. I used to always think like, Hey, if I, if I end up my career covering desert Vista high school and mountain point high school for the Ahwatukee foothills news, I would enjoy that. Yeah. You know, like right. I just like telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, growing up was basketball always your favorite sport? What was your yeah, favorite sport? I love basketball. basketball. Yeah. My, uh, <coughs> I, I played, I played everything, uh, everything I could every day, almost, you know, 115 degree heat, be out there playing wiffle ball with my, my neighbor across the street, yeah. you know, basketball in the driveway. My dad dug a hole in, uh, and put a cement pole in the ground that's still there at 41st Avenue and Morton to, <laughs> to this day, same, same pole, same backboard, uh, put a floodlight up on the fence so that I could have a light shining on the board so I could shoot every night and. Yeah, you know, over there in the corner, emulating Walter Davis jump shots, and <laughs> uh, my my neighbor, my neighbor would be Paul Westfall, and you know, there's another one of those full cycle moments. Yeah. You know, here you and I both got to know Paul Westfall. Like I got to know him as an NBA coach first. Yep. And you know, it just trips you out that guys like that. I mean, of course, I'm Paul, so that it was easy for him to remember my name. But <laughs> <laughs> but he was so nice, and uh, you know. It, I eventually got to know him well enough that one day I was like, you know, I'm going to tell him how me and my friend used to be Walter Davis and Paul Westfall in the driveway. I just never told him that I was Walter Davis. (laughs) (laughs) He just assumed you were Paul Westfall. But the cool thing is before he passed, he told me that he did the same thing growing up in the Bay. And it was like, I think it was Elgin Baylor and Jerry West that him and his friend used to do. And I was like, wow, that's a really cool thing to share. Yeah. No, it is it is fun. Like the the people you meet, meeting the students, meeting their families is always so much fun. Um, I get to meet the the baseball families more just because the nature of the sport, right? They're there for a three days or something, and there's so much more time with not a lot going on, dirt before the game to just to meet them. But it's fun to talk to them. It's fun to hear, you know, hey, we love the broadcast. I'm sure you get people, oh, thanks so much for the coverage of my kids, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of parents, and and it's always about the athletes too. And you know, you mentioned baseball, and I think about, you know, somebody like Juan Colado was mm. such a cool thing. He was the first. A uh, kid from El Salvador ever to have a Division One baseball scholarship, and you know, which but, is crazy when you say that out loud. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but in like a region of the country odd. that loves baseball, yeah, and uh, yeah, um, and a brilliant kid too, and, and just all, and, yeah. yeah, engineering graduate now, and yeah. uh, very fortuitous. His uncle uh, lived in Phoenix and went to GCU games, and and Juan had to walk on to South Mountain Community College. Uh, because nobody was interested in him. nobody interested nobody heard of him yeah and then he used to come to basketball games with his uncle that's funny <laughs> um just chasing a dream to get an american education not to be a professional baseball yeah. player his family wanted him to get an american education because they grew up in california before moving to el salvador during the fernando mania era and oh wow and uh loved yeah. baseball because of that because of fernando. but knew the value of a american college education yeah i mean you're not at with 21 plus is it 21 sports or 22 i always get confused i know josh Hauser's gonna be mad at me that i'm not saying the exact 20 number plus sports <laughs> with 20 plus sports you're never lost for stories though it's just a matter of how many stories can you do yeah yeah and i always feel like you know there's another one i want to get to or somebody that i, I want to help you know yeah feature and there's just and there's just so many facets to the job that beyond writing and beyond the editing that come up daily and I just love that it's it's made me grow as a person and professional too because I was very much in a in a staid environment where I did the 
the same thing for many years and this has forced me to to learn some new things and yeah. and uh grow as a professional and give my my wife michelle who's like super talented and now also is working at the university and um she's a also an adjunct professor in addition to her her job uh she always gets a gets a giggle out of some of the things I do because she's super tech savvy. And there's, there's some things that I'm just starting to do that <laughs> she's always known how to do. <laughs> uh, and my girls too, you know, yeah. they're, they're the same way. And it, it, the, my girls makes me think of like, we say how fun it is to watch those moments for people. Yeah. I think the only thing I can equate it to is when I used to watch my older daughter, Jasmine play basketball and oh, that yeah. feeling like she was fortunate enough to be part of a state championship team at Desert Vista senior year. Oh, and wow. that I probably never would have had a feeling like that again until until we watched the, them win the WAC championship and go to the NCAA tournament because yeah. we knew those guys so well. And I remember after the game, like guys just lingering in that arena for hours. Didn't want it to end. There was guys just laying against a wall on FaceTime calls, holding the piece of the net to talk to somebody and just a special time. Yeah, we were we were walking out of there. Many hours after it all ended, and yeah, there's people back in by the media room in in the loading docks just hanging out. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't want this to end, man. And yeah, that's that's super fun to be a part of. It's fun too to uh, you know, I mean, so many great staff. You mentioned Josh Hauser. I mean, he's done a, you know to see, to see him come from you know a student worker, you know, a student who wants to get into sports, but had done it in his past and really grinding it out, and now leading that department and different guys. We we travel now, you know, with Bryce Wheeler, who does. Uh, phenomenal i don't know how he does it i don't know how he produces the stuff stuff he produces the, the images and the art but it's unbelievable to it but just get to know those guys kind of starting their careers out and and seeing that and trying to help him we've been meeting craig herman you know and, and doing fundraising and doing things like that and just i don't know, hearing their stories and stuff it's kind of fun i feel like an old guy because i ask so many questions i would have never like <laughs> please stop asking me questions yeah. i'd like to just relax but it's just fun yeah that's our squad that's the people <laughs> we travel with and hang with every day and josh is somebody that i found like-mindedness with right away mm -hmm. you know he's way beyond his years and ability and maturity and yeah. knowledge and all that and you know he was one of the first people i i closed the door and told him that i wasn't going to leave uh, at one point and it was because of people like him mm -hmm. that i wanted to keep working with and um but that goes for the whole university that's that's another wonderful thing about gc you get to know so many people it's not it's not athletics is not isolated at gcu in any right. respect you know like we we all have good relationships with President Mueller, uh, with Pastor Tim Griffin, the dean of students. You know, you could go it, through the whole administration yeah. and how many people uh, care care enough about our jobs uh, to have relationships with us and appreciate what we do. And that's that's can't ask for anything better in a workplace if people value your work. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's you know I. I've been talking to Craig and these guys about this all the time. They probably get tired of it. I always want to know, like, the infrastructure, the inner workings, because GCU, as you mentioned earlier, does things so differently. It's not traditional. I mean, and, and unapologetically so, right? Like, that's what makes it different is we don't care about tradition. We want to be different if it makes sense. And your point about that, in many other places, sports is isolated from the student population. But Brian Mueller, once again, good or bad in his desires, like, no, no, no. It's going to be integrated into the university. They're student athletes. They're part of the university. And it's it's been fantastic. Yeah, you can't really question anything about the vision and the formula and it's working. and what they've created, the the greatest college basketball environment in the nation. I don't care what anybody says, bar yeah, none. Like it is. Um don't and don't come at me of all people with Cameron crazies, because you know how much I hate Duke. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, you know we've had we've had people come through and, and vouch for that. Donovan Mitchell, right? Yeah, he knew he knew what the other places were like and said this was the best. And Rick Pitino said it was, and they just have created something very special with what they do. But the whole campus, like it's just amazing growth and amazing vision. And there's nothing, there's nobody that ever settles for what it was or says this is how it should be done because that's how it's always been done. Nobody. Nobody ever thinks like, and of course that starts at the top with President Brian Mueller. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, hey, Paul, we've gone almost almost an hour. Great chat. Um, I would encourage folks, gclopes.com, read his stuff. Um, you are probably the most personable guy I've ever met. I think you could be mayor if you wanted to at Phoenix because literally, folks, we'll be getting ready to broadcast and he knows everybody. People walk up to Paul all the time in the arena while we're on the air many times and try to have conversations with you because they just want to talk to Paul Coro. It's amazing. Sorry, Rick Santa Cruz. I really wanted to say <laughs> hi to you, but we are live on the air. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, if I see that happening and I'll be like, Paul kind of take his headset off to have to talk to somebody. I'm like, all right, so I'll just talk a little bit longer, wait for Paul to get his headset back on to go because, yeah, it, it is really cool, though. I mean, I think it tells a lot about you that, um, I mean, you know, obviously got to be proud about that you're 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 not an arrogant guy but be proud about the fact that i mean to cover that beat for that many years and people still talk about how much they they loved it and still want to come up and say hi to you and stuff like that and uh it's pretty amazing man but we're we're glad you're at gcu <laughs> well, and this has been fun doing the games with you it's funny because i remember when they were like hey um uh you know paul's on the road with you i mean you know he doesn't necessarily have that an analyst broadcasting background but like what do you think and i was like it would be amazing. Like the guy covered the NBA for 13 years. I mean, he knows basketball and he knows everything about GCU. I mean, this is like, it's like a no brainer. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. And I don't know about you, but dude, it's been fun. It's yeah. Out I well. tell people all the time. Like it's, it's, it's the thing you play growing up. Like we all watch the game and call pretend do calls outside and now i right. get to do it with you one of my one of my better friends and we had such a good chemistry and relationship already that yeah it didn't really have make me doubt at all that we could like work well together on air and it's been wonderful you're amazing at what you're doing you're such a value to the university is because of your passion for it and being an alum and you know again we go back to that knowledge you have this extreme knowledge of the university right yeah uh, that that makes it a better better fit than other people would be doing it. Yeah, and we talk about it all the time. I know I know we're winding down, but I mean, I can't say enough about the leadership of Brian Mueller. I mean, Stan Meyer, Dan Backus, Jamie Boggs, um, you know, Josh Hauser, keeping us together because uh, just so folks know, we do things differently. Not every school travels <laughs> as many people as we do to give the coverage that's given, and it's because those guys know the value of it and they're willing to invest that resource in it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a blessing. All the stuff, I, I appreciate what you said about relationships uh, but that that works both ways and a lot of people have been good to me to to put me where i am yeah well hey paul thanks a lot if you want to uh, hear more paul coro just tune into 1580 every basketball game <laughs> <laughs> check out the website gclopes.com thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time on the pottercast mm -hmm.